All right, we're going to go ahead and get started at 7 o'clock, and I uh, want to honor your time, and uh, thank you for being here tonight, and I know we have some folks that are still rolling in, so, uh, but let's pray together, okay? Father, we thank you for our time together, and Lord, we, uh, the, the opportunity to serve your people, Lord God, and to serve you, uh, Lord, we're just so grateful for that, and we thank you, God, that uh, tonight may we find purpose, may we find vision, Lord God, may we find uh, community uh, in our group here tonight, Lord God, that, uh, Lord, that sense of purpose that we're all working together towards the same goals and uh, the same purpose. And I thank you for that, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, so we're going to do a little review uh, just, to, just to start up with, and um, uh, I'm going to stick with 20 minutes in Jesus' name, so uh, that's my goal. But uh, we talked last month about core values, and that core values are the non-compromising issues or beliefs of our ministry. And uh, these, uh, over time, they're in a constant work of development. Um, and so some of these are a little different than things that we've talked about before. It's not that these uh, haven't always been core values. We're just still trying to articulate them in a better way. But uh, we talked about teamwork last month that uh, teamwork is enabling you to serve together in a shared ministry environment. And uh, we put our scripture there, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. Partnership, your investment of time, energy, and resources is producing a shared benefit in the expansion of God's kingdom. We use 1 Samuel 30, verse 24 for that. Uh, two that we really, I've really felt strongly about here in the last, uh, last several months, especially this year actually, is uh, number three is transformation. That God meets us where we are, but loves us too much to let us stay the same. And that's out of Romans 12 too. And uh, so even though that God loves us the way we are, God doesn't leave us like we are. Thank God for that. And uh, that he's always working by the work of the Holy Spirit. And if we're purposed to grow, then he's going to grow us and transform us uh, into his image. And then number four is biblical or scriptural authority that the scriptures are God's infallible word and is the supreme authority for Christ followers and the church. And that's 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 that tells us that all scripture is God inspired. And uh, that last one is probably coming under attack more in our day uh, in such an incredible way. And the bad thing is, is where it's coming under attack is under in the church. And uh, the churches actually are moving further away, not our church, but just saying that there are churches that are moving away from scriptural authority and that it's just a book, not the book. And so there's a big difference. And so when we start looking at philosophers to tell us what's right or what's wrong, or we start using what's called situational ethics. And uh, situational ethics is a really is probably the, been the dilemma of mankind for years, but it really is strong today. And basically what situational ethics, it's a philosophy, and it says that um, situational ethics says that your that your situation determines what you make your decision off of. So everybody, it's it's the old out of the book of Judges that finishes and says every man does what's right in his own sight. So we have no we have no moral compass then. We just kind of whatever way we want to go or whatever we feel uh, is the direction that we uh, that we go. You know, it's a really interesting thing. Uh, I've been working on this a little bit in a, in a message that I'm doing. That there are two there are two ways we come up with ideas. One is is through fact, which is in our mind. The second is through feelings, which is something that we feel. 
we have to be careful that we're not basing all of our decisions off of feelings. We have to base them off facts. Scripture is fact, okay? It's time-tested. It's time-true. Uh, it's been in existence. If we base it off of feeling, then we're going to go however we particularly feel that day. Some days I feel married. Some days I don't feel married. But the fact is, guess what? I'm married. So, you know, that, that's, that's no matter what, right? That's, what, that's the way that it is. So... We have to be careful here, you know, as we're as we're talking about um, as we're talking about biblical authority. This is one that we're just going to have to really watch in the church, and that our ministry is really going to focus on in the in the years ahead. Um, uh, Stevie was telling me about he was dealing with a young man in youth group uh, that came and basically was an atheist, and but he liked the kids, you know, and that's cool. And uh, but he had he, he basically said that his idea was is that well the Bible isn't true. What do you base that the Bible isn't true? You know when you ask people that, what do you base that the Bible isn't true off of? They don't really have an answer. Well, you know, I mean it just can't be it can't be true, or somebody told me it wasn't true, or. And so when you start trying to help people to understand and instead of being confrontive with people and actually trying to guide them through the process of, well, let me explain to you how that we know that it is true. Let's talk about some of the historical facts that are behind Scripture. Let's talk about, you know, let's talk about how that if you go back in time that people have been there's no book that's been written more that is more recorded than the Bible. There is nothing that even comes close to it. Um, the only one that even has, the, 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 in the natural sense, aside from Scripture, is um, Iliad and the Odyssey uh, is the only other one that's been written a bunch of times. And it doesn't even come close to how much the Scriptures have been written and recorded for mankind. And so, you know, it, it, it's, it's not that we all understand what all of the Bible says. We can learn and grow and understand, but, but we need to recognize that there is an issue that is in our society today that the Bible is not for today. It's just not. And people will say things like, well, we just need a relationship with Jesus. Okay, so how do you base a relationship with Jesus without the Bible? That means that, okay, so you make up your own relationship or how you want that relationship to look. Without the Bible, we got a problem. And so our church falls a little bit strong on this, on the biblical authority. And uh, not that we're like shoving scripture down people's throats. Um, I'm sure we have at times, but you know that. But I, but but you know, we base every our children's ministries based off the Bible. Our youth ministries, everything we do is biblical, based off of biblical precept. Our our leadership is structured that way, um, off of biblical authority. But uh, you know, there are a lot of ministries that are struggling with this today. Good ministries that are just trying to sort through. Okay, where does the Bible fit into what we're doing today? So. I want to make sure that that stays a core value. You know, when you think about core values, you have to think beyond your generation. That these are things that I want to last beyond my lifetime. You know, my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids, there are things that I want them to know from me that I want to surpass my life, you know, to surpass my life. I want them to, these are things I'd like to see perpetuate in their life for the rest of their lives and uh, that would pass on. And so that's what core values do. Okay. So values drive the purpose of Amazing Grace Church. There are things, these are the, the methods behind our madness here. They're why we do things the way that we do. So I put up here, uh, this is more of a review, but I put up purpose, mission, vision, objectives, and goals. Now I'd like you to do this for, with me if you would. Underneath each of these, I want you to write uh, a couple, uh, some things down. One is under purpose. I want you to write why. 
and I want you to write who. Okay? Just write why and who. Purpose answers the question, why we exist and who we serve. Who are we really after? What are, we, who, what are the people that we're really after? Who are we trying to reach? Okay? Um, so when we talk about why we exist, this is what we believe is our distinction. That's why we're here. This is what God called us to do. You know, there are, there are lots of churches in our area. You know, there's, church, there's a church down the road this way. There's a church down the road that way. There's a church north of us. There's churches everywhere around us. But why are we here? What are we here to do? What is our distinction? Okay? So when we talk about our distinctions, we talk about why we exist, and who we serve. Under mission, I want you to write the word how. Okay? And what that means is, is this is how we fulfill why we exist and who we serve. So when we talk about what our mission of our church is, these are the details of how we're going to fulfill reaching the people we feel God called us to reach. Okay? They tell us how we're going to reach the people and how we're going to fulfill why we're here. How we're going to do that. All right. So this is the this is where it really gets into the depth of it. Now, when we move to vision, we're talking about and this is really this is really interesting. This is where we talk about what we see. Okay, what we see. And I talked a little bit about this with you last week that. Vision is really, or last month, excuse me, vision is really about us establishing context, okay? All right, so let's, uh, let's, take, let's, let's just take an example of this. Let's say you have a 10-year-old in your home, and in that 10-year-old, you tell them, go clean your room, okay? So for that moment, why they exist and what they're there, who they're there to serve is they're there to serve you to get that room clean. And they exist to get that room clean. So that's their job, right? But let me ask you a question. If you ask a 10-year-old to clean their room, will it look the way you think it should look? Well, will it? I mean, are they going to do what you want? No. How will they know to do what you want? Because you're going to have to tell them not what to do, but what it will look like when it's done. See, because they're not, if you just give them a, a list of things that have to be done, they're not going to remember the list. But if you tell them that this is what it looks like, not everything shoved under the bed, not everything shoved in the closet, not everything shoved in the drawers, right? The bed is made, you know, you're going through and you're saying, so when I see your room, this is what it looks like. This is where more frustration happens because a lot of ministers have purpose statements and mission. People are like, yeah, we know what we're here to do and we know how we want to do it. But we get frustrated here. And this is really on us as leaders because we have to establish context. Because if we don't tell people what it looks like, then everybody gets to decide by their own image. There, there are 10-year-old going, oh, okay, well, this is what it looks like. Then. This is how I'll do it. So we say, well, you're, you know, you're an usher or you're a greeter, or you're a whatever, or you work in the children's ministry, and if you don't go through and tell them, give them context, and say, this is what we see, this is what we see happening, this is how we know we're doing what we're supposed to do, then what happens is everybody gets to do their own thing. They all, everybody will. I mean, it's just the natural course of things. We come up with our own context if somebody doesn't give us context. Does everybody understand that? Yes. And that will cause more frustration 
See, the leader, this is one of the things that a leader can only, really only a leader can do, and that is to establish vision. And I'm not talking just about the pastor. I'm talking about a leader, you know, the people with, because you have to establish that this is what I see. This is how I see this happening. Now, you know, when we, when we, when we have people come to us and they say, um, you know, I have a problem with what's happening in the area of ministry or I'm struggling in this area, they're not going to just tell you a list of things that they're struggling with. They're going to tell you why they're going to tell you what they see that they're struggling with, how it's making them feel as they're struggling through it. So we have to come back and we have to figure out, OK, so how do we get this vision on the same feet on the same plane here? How do we get this together? That happens through communication. That has to happen through dialogue. That has to happen. Uh, let, me, let me tell you, uh, if, if they, there's a thing, and it's called, um, uh, maybe you've heard about this in business, but it's called mission creep. Creep, C-R-E-E-P. Sorry about that. Mission creep. And the reason that mission creep gets, where, where we get away from what we're here to do is because we stopped establishing, we started to stop talking about what we see happening. And when we, when we do that, we don't even know if we're winning anymore. We're just doing. You know, that's a tough way, place to be in your life, isn't it? That you're just doing. You don't know if you're winning anymore. We're just, you know, I know as a parent that can happen to you, man. You're just like, we're just doing life. I don't know if we're winning here. Are we getting anywhere, you know, with what we're doing? I mean, we're trying to raise these kids. We're trying to teach them the right things to do. Uh, they get in a fight at school. They're not doing, you know, where are we going? This is so important because... It is, it is that vision that will sustain. It, it's, that, it's that mission. It's that purpose that sustains us when things are off kelter, when they're not right, when things are not going the right direction. You know, when Amazing Grace is, is, is not on track with where it's supposed to be, I don't like go, oh my gosh, I'm so depressed over it. I go, okay, well, I'm still energized by why we're here, who we're here to serve. I'm energized by how we're going to do that and what it looks like when we are doing it. And if we keep talking about this, this is what people run with. Your Bible tells you that. It says, write the vision, make it plain, so he that reads it can run. People run with vision whenever they have context. Give me context for this. Show me what this is supposed to, you know, how does this apply to my life? You know, I, that's one of my big concerns in preaching. I don't want to just get up and do a sermon and everybody goes, man, that was really awesome. That was really deep. It was really incredible. And they have no context to their life of how to apply it. Because if you don't have any context with it, you just heard a nice message and, you know, you might as well heard a lecture from somebody because you're going to walk away with information, but you don't have any information for transfer, inspiration for transformation. That's good, Pastor. Thanks. So, I mean, it's just one of those. So vision becomes extremely important. That's why, you know, people come and say, you know, Chuck does this to me all the time. What do you see? What do you see happening? What do you, and, I, and it's really good when you have people around you do that because, you know, you're, you're, you're forced to have to articulate what it is you actually see. How do you see this all happening? How do you, where do you see this going? Where, where are we going to be in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years? You know, we're talking vision. All that could change. We could change a bunch of that in the next 15 years. But at least somebody's asking you, what do you see happening? So as a leader, we have to remember that we are the ones that God called to establish context. We create that, that sanity in the insanity, right? That in the midst of all of it, you know, just like as I said, as a parent, you, if you don't come back to the reason you had kids and why you're doing this and, 
you could get really frustrated with why you're having a family in a hurry or why you're in a job that you're in or why you're why you started that business you always have to come back to that and mission creep what happens with that is we just keep getting further and further away from where we're at what we're supposed to do um you know i talked about this a little bit on sunday um i got six minutes so I talked a little bit of this on Sunday. You know, Jesus created a church in circle that was circles facing a circle facing outward. The church in Mission Creek missed out on what that Jesus his first commission wasn't that go and make churches and all hang out together and be one. His mission was go into all the world and preach the gospel. Does everybody remember that? That's his mission. That's called the Great Commission. Go do this, okay? So what does the church do? The church started that way. But then eventually the church went from being about reaching and going and getting people and sending and became, stopped being a sending organization and became more about internalizing and building and keeping everything and trying to keep everything together. And what happens? Mission creep. We're off now. We get totally away from the mission that God... And look, God, isn't, God is not obligated to honor a mission he didn't give you. He is not obligated to honor a mission he didn't give you. So, you know, all of a sudden we're about keeping buildings and structures and, you know, trying to come up with the finances to keep those buildings and structures and keep everything going. And we forget that buildings and structures are all tools. They're, they're not what the kingdom is really all about. Yeah. So, you know, as I shared with you guys a little bit on Sunday, it's heartbreaking to go into a country and you see all these beautiful buildings and there's no people in them anymore. They're just, they're just nothing but museums. Once they were active, lively churches that were changing and affecting their community. But here's the thing. This could become a museum just like those could become a museum. A place that people just walk through and stand in awe of what once happened there. Instead of what is happening there. That's what happens with mission groups. So look, you're the leader. Look at the person next to you and say, you're the leader. Go ahead. Yeah, you know. You're the leader. So are you establishing context? Are you establishing vision? Are you declaring vision? Because if you're not, then I'm telling you right now, everybody's coming up with their own thing of why we're here. Everybody's establishing their own deal. You know, if we don't establish vision with parents with small children, they think we're just a babysitting service on Sunday morning. We have to establish context. No, no, no. That's not why we're here. We're not here to babysit. We're to partner. We're here to partner with you to educate your children biblically and spiritually. Yes. That's good. From the youngest to the oldest, that's what we're here to do. We're not here to do it for you. We're here to do it with you. Big difference, isn't it? So you know that's that's what we have to keep coming. That's what we have to establish is context with all of this. Now, when we talk about objectives and goals, um, this is when things, this, this is where we take these things. And if you want to write under the word objectives there, that's basically strategy. Okay? That's the strategy. Objectives are strategy, how we'll do it, and how we'll put that into application. And, of course, goals are then the application of the strategy. All right. The highest level of frustration a leader will deal with is the lack of understanding of the vision. But that is our responsibility, is to communicate the vision. What do you see happening? 
What do you see happening? How do we even know if we're doing good? You know, most churches think they're doing good if they have a lot of people and a lot of money. That's not doing good. That might be in a world system good. But what if you had a lot of people and a lot of money, but you didn't have the Lord's favor on what you were doing because you never did what he told you to do? I mean, when we stand before the Lord, is he going to go, hey, man, here's a reward. You had a lot of money come into your church. You had a lot of people in your ministry. That's really awesome. Yeah, here, here's a reward. You get a nice reward for that. I don't think so. I think those are nice things. I think those are results of accomplishing things. But I do think that there is a higher calling than just filling seats and bringing in money. I think the highest calling that we have is to activate ministry. To help people find their ministry and get them in their ministry and release them to do their ministry. And whether we're talking about full-time ministry or we're just talking about ministry here in the church, our highest calling is that's, our, that's the best thing that we can do. And that happens at every age group, not just the, not just with adults. That happens with the teenagers. That happens with the children. Let us help you find your ministry. Let us get you involved in your ministry. Let us release you to do your ministry and help keep you on the right path. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to break up. You can go ahead to your various groups. Thank you. I know I talk fast. But you listen fast, so that's good. Thanks, sir.